0: Hey, what's up? Sean here with another episode of Locked On Raptors. And on today's show, we are talking about a Raptors loss to the Detroit Pistons on Saturday. But can you really be that mad when Pascal Siakam looked that good? We will dig into his wonderful performance, his return to form effort uh, since returning from injury, his best game so far. We will also talk about Delano Banton, who I think should be playing more and really showed out last night after a very busy week of basketball for the second round rookie. Plus, a brand new face gets added to the dude of the the game leaderboard to close out the show that's all coming up on your monday edition of locked on raptors oh like, cause because I shot i expected to make it so like i don't shoot kind of this you are locked on raptors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1057 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, November the 14th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can find the podcast free and available on all of your favorite platforms, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or on YouTube. You can subscribe or follow. Whatever the app of choice asks you to do to the shows that you like, please do that. It helps us out, makes us more popular, puts us on the charts, and all. That good stuff. So, thank you in advance for taking the time, and thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day. All right, on today's show, we are digging into the Raptors 127 121 loss to the Pistons on Saturday. We're going to talk about Delano Banton, we're going to talk about the dude of the game as always, but we should begin by talking about Pascal Siakam and the effort he put in. In a game that really, when you look at the box score, and, and full disclosure, I had to watch this game on Sunday after having a commitment on Saturday night. And, you know, I, just looking at the box score, seeing how the game was going from afar, it looked like a game that kind of went the way the Raptors want games to go in order to win. They shot well from three, which was, you know, it's kind of been a a hit or miss proposition so far this season. They had a great performance from Pascal Siakam. They got some good bench performances, namely from Delano Bannon. Even Goran Dragic had a really good game in his first game in a while. And even without Fred Van Vliet, It seemed like the Raptors did the things that they typically do when they win basketball games. They forced turnovers, they got a ton of steals, and they won the possession battle, got eight extra field goal attempts up ahead of the Pistons. It really did kind of check all the boxes of a Raptors-type win, but they fall short 127-121 to the Pistons and you know again you can kind of look at some things in this game and say well yeah okay the 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 free throw shooting kind of sewered the Raptors here the I think the you know the the shot making frankly from Killian Hayes and Jeremy Grant and Josh Jackson in this game kind of sewered the Raptors as well you know some really tough buckets down the stretch credit where credit's due for the Pistons but really I I don't think this is a game that's going to cause too much alarm for the Raptors of course again missing Fred Van Vliet. That is going to hurt you. He's not doing the Fred Van Vliet things that tend to lead to winning positive basketball out there, and that's a bummer. Hopefully, he can come back soon from the groin injury that kept him out of the game. Hopefully, it's not something too, too serious, and he can be back in the lineup for this road trip. And, you know, again, lots of different reasons to chalk this loss up. I don't think any of them are terribly concerning. And, you know, the defense wasn't awesome. We know the defense is mostly awesome. And so I think it's sort of a one-off thing with bad shooting. As Dwayne Casey might say, it's a make-or-miss league, Doug. And uh, the Pistons had a lot of makes. Another guy who had a lot of makes, though, is Pascal Siakam, who, again, I want to begin with here, because Pascal was just a delight to watch in this game, 25 points, 12 boards, 7 assists, 9 of 14, hit 2 of his 3 threes, Real, the only sort of soft spots here are the uh, the fouling, he, he fouled out, of course, had some foul trouble in the first half in particular, and then 5 of 9 from the line, on a night where the Raptors lost by 6 points and missed 11 of their 31 free throw attempts, again, you know, kind of one-off anomalous reasons for the Raptors to drop this one as opposed to any sort of systemic, problematic things within the structure of the team. And so I, I think it's fair to kind of look at the things that were good about this game and project forward as to what they can mean long-term. And I think Pascal Siakam's game, for a lot of reasons, really just was... Exactly the kind of balm you need for your soul. If you were sort of watching his first couple games and thinking, uh-oh, this half-court offense is still going to be tr- tricky. The fit with Scotty Barnes and OG is going to be tricky. I think this game should have probably quelled a lot of those concerns. He, he just was really effective. And I think you saw the version of Pascal Siakam in this game that unlocks the best version of this Raptors team. Again, seven assists. I wouldn't say any of his assists were like, you know, like, oh, my God, how did he see that pass type assists? I think some of them were kind of what I call 2K assists, where you have a guy that you're trying to get to a triple-double because stats are fun in, in 2K and you're trying to run it up, and you just kind of rock up the floor, make one pass, and then boom, it's an assist for your guy who's shooting a three. 2K assists, uh, once again. Um, you know, there were a few of those, but there were also some really nice reads and, you know, some nice enclosed big-to-big passes, some reads out of double teams and triple teams that are really effective as well. And I think it's kind of further proof that the ball should mostly be running through Siakam when he's out there. He should be the hub, the fulcrum of the Raptors offense, because he just kind of makes things happen when he has the ball in his hands. You know, when he's got the ball going downhill, he's so fast, very few guys can keep in front of him. He had a really, uh, a couple of really nice blowbys in this game. When he's working from the post, of course, he's got that bag there. He's got the spin moves. He's got different counters that he's kind of worked on over many years of working in the post. and. And of course, he's become a really good passer out of the post as well. And I just think any situation you get the ball to him in, you know, if you run him from the elbows and run some dribble handoff stuff with him, you can make some magic happen there too. There's just a lot that can be done that just can't be done when, say, Fred Van Vliet has the ball all the time. And again, we've talked so far this season about how well Fred Van Vliet has played, the things he's added to his game to expand himself as a playmaker and a scorer. But Pascal Siakam is just always going to be nine inches taller than Fred Van Vliet is. And as a result, he can kind of just sort of dictate and move the defense in a different way. The possession that really stands out to me with Pascal in this game that I think kind of underlines this point, and it was really encouraging to see it happen in crunch time because I think... I really would like this to be the return of Pascal Siakam kind of getting the ball in all situations usually in pick and roll but in all situations really in crunch time and kind of making things happen. He had this possession, he got triple team basically, you know, it was kind of a soft triple I suppose. It was more two guys and then like a third guy kind of lurking, but a lot of arms kind of flew his way on the left side of the floor. He ends up making the read up top, hit score and drag it swings around to Gary Trent Jr. and he misses a 3. But because that initial sellout by the Pistons defense to get the ball out of Pascal's hands screwed up Detroit's floor balance, floor balance so badly, Pascal was able to just kind of lurk in and get the offensive board and put back. And I think that is just sort of a great example of the way that Siakam and his dynamism just kind of breathe a little bit of space and energy, and again, just sort of creativity, excitement into the Raptors' half-court offense that a lot of the guys in the team right now just don't quite have the fully sort of formed bag to accomplish. You know, OG Ananobi, been really impressed with his passing and all of that, but he's not the same quick, you know, reader that that Siakam is that he became last season, really, when his playmaking really took off. And the seven assists in this game, again, not all of them were, you know, LeBron-type you know, skip passes from the one side of the weak side or whatever, but I think there were some really nice ones in there, some really nice other sort of connective plays and passes that didn't lead to assists that were really promising to see. And then the scoring, obviously, too. And when he's such a good playmaker, that's only going to open up his scoring as well because you can sell out for the pass a lot less, and you have to be worried about his potential threat to pull up or you know, make that sort of straight-line drive to the basket, hit those threes as well, those threes falling down. It's so early, but you get tantalized every time you see one because it just seems like maybe he's snapping back to the old Pascal when it comes to his three-point shooting. All of it's really, really exciting to see. And I think you know the thing that's really cool is that I think... You know, again, there's this sort of, I think, growing sentiment that, oh, maybe Siakam and Barnes and OG can't play together. Maybe this is too tricky a fit. There's not enough shooting, whatever it is. I kind of think the way we saw Siakam play on Saturday is exactly why I think that starting five that they've been running out with Barnes playing center can be so effective. And I think, again, it kind of knocks everybody down the rung of responsibility a little bit from where they were before Siakam got back. And you get to amplify what all these guys do really well. You have Pascal kind of as your main initiator on most possessions in that starting 5. That A frees up Fred VanVleet to do his like menacing off the ball movement thing or he's going to get those catch and shoot threes that he's so damn good at. He has to be accounted for. He's got gravity out to 30 feet like he's not afraid to bomb it away from super deep. That's an enormous thing and it allows him to do, really kind of lean into that if you have Siakam on the ball a lot. It allows Scotty Barnes to roam around the dunker spot to be a screener to work in the middle of the floor in the short roll. Those are the things you want to see Scotty Barnes doing right now. I mean, he's just been a delight to watch. He had the one play last night in crunch time, the coast to coast, like just kind of kicked into a high gear about, you know, two thirds of the way up the floor and, you know, did a little spin move and just boom, easy bucket with like two strides. It was really incredible to see. But mostly you want to see Scotty Barnes working those disadvantage those those advantages he can find you know from the middle of the floor where he can see everything make every pass when he's in the dunker spot he's open for those passes from Siakam or OG in close and he's also there to clean up the offensive glass as well which he's been so so good at it you know he's just i think he does a lot of center things really well right now and it fits really nicely alongside Siakam in that lineup then you get Gary Trent Jr. just getting open look after open look because of all the attention being paid elsewhere. You've get you get O.G. and who I, I think you know, while he's shown a lot of strides, it's been really promising to see him, you know, amp, amp up his sort of on-ball usage and you know becoming more of a sort of primary type guy. I think right now in 2021 in November he's probably still more suited to be like a second action type guy it swings to him on the weak side he can he can sort of create out of that as opposed to having to create against a st- stagnant de- defense I think using OG as a second side creator leveraging Pascal Siakam's you know gravity on the ball that is the way to get the most out of OG right now, and you can kind of, you know, continue to give him those reps, give him those those extra opportunities to refine his game as a lead ball handler, but you don't have to force feed him like you had to for the first 10 games of the year, because Siakam is back, and he is just far more along the curve of development when it comes to the responsibility of being a, a number one guy on the ball. So, wonderful stuff from Pascal Siakam in this game, really can't say enough about it outside of the fouling and the free throws, not really a complaint to be had, and What's really nice, too, is his next two games come against the Utah Jazz and the Portland Trail Blazers. Not in that order. It's Blazers Monday night, Jazz on Thursday. Both teams that Siakam has historically torched. And so I look forward to potentially seeing a little bit more of this sort of uh, you know snowballing of Pascal Siakam's return to form with the Raptors. So that is where we'll leave it there for now. We'll come back on the other side. We're going to dig into Delano Banton and talk about why I think he should be playing a whole lot more. He was really, really good in this game. I think maybe... The fact that he was playing his fourth game in four nights in four cities, uh, three and a half cities, I don't know, recounting Mississauga on its own in this case, maybe we are, maybe we're not, Mississauga people can yell at me about that, but either way, Delano Banton deserves plenty of time and uh, plenty of consideration from Nick Nurse going forward, we're going to talk about why in just a second, due to the game coming up at the end of the show as well, but first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. And it's Thanksgiving time. I love Thanksgiving. All the food and the good eats and everything like that is wonderful, but sometimes you go a little overindulgent. You kind of go in on the sweets a little bit too much, perhaps. You don't feel so good. That nap becomes less of a sort of like, oh, what a nice nap this is, and more of a, oh, my God, it's 4 p.m. and it's Thanksgiving and I'm going to die because I've eaten too much food. And it's not really a fun nap. It's more of a survival nap. Well, guess what? The built Bar can bring the fun back to your Thanksgiving nap because instead of having a 300-calorie slice of pie, or something like that, you can have a built bar and replace that pie with just 130 calories and only four grams of sugar with plenty of protein basically any pie you can think of there is a built bar to match you got the raspberry built bar instead of that raspberry pie coconut cream pie now replaced by your coconut built bar lots of great flavors to replace any pie or sweet treat low calorie low carb low fat high protein covered in 100 real chocolate built is a great option for when you're hungry and if thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough don't worry you can still have a built bar between now and then it's totally fine go for a built bar or two why not share some of your favorite uh, flavors at the gathering with your family if you you want to bring a whole bucket full of mint brownie, toss them out to your family and friends. They're going to love it. They're going to be very thankful for you bringing the built Bars to Thanksgiving. New surprises all month, uh, including limited time flavors at built.com regularly. So check the site often. There's nothing like a built Bar Black Friday as well. So mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to built.com. use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, who have changed the game in daily fantasy sports. It is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. I know you're going to love it too. Prize Picks has the Best NBA DFS prop game on the market, and it offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players who only record a handful of minutes in each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns to points to steals to rebounds, even interceptions thrown. All of your users, uh, all of our users that go and deposit using the promo code NBA will receive a 100% instant match up to 100 bucks. So if you put in 100 bucks into your account, use that promo code NBA, you're gonna have 200 bucks just magically in your account to play with. You pick two to five players and an over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks also allows mixed sport entries so maybe you want to do a prop on LeBron James scoring points whenever he's back in the Lakers lineup, Russell Westbrook turnovers, which you probably take the over on that. And then uh you know, are the Tennessee Titans going to Ryan Tannehill going to throw for 200 yards or something like that? That's my Tennessee Titans baby. Take the over on that as well cuz Ryan Tannehill actually good. Go make your, uh, your your props over at Prize Picks right now. Again, mix those sports, do whatever you please. It is Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. And they- they have an award winning app on both the App Store and Google Play you can try as well. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals too, so don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com. Use the promo code NBA. Go to your App Store and download the app today to play Prize Picks. Is Daily Fantasy made easy? All right, let's continue on here. And let's talk about Delano Banton, shall we? Delano Banton was a delight in this game on Saturday and capped off a very heavy week of action. For Delano Banton played on Wednesday in Boston played on Thursday in Philadelphia played on Friday in Mississauga against the Westchester Knicks for Raptors 905 upon his own request as uh, Nicky Reyes pointed out on the Raptors broadcast he asked Nick Nurse to go down and play despite being in the midst of a three game four night stretch with the big club he said he wanted to go down to work on some things and boy did he he went down to the 905 on Friday 30 points nine assists seven boards Looked like the best player on the floor as our friend Blake Murphy pointed out he very much looked like a G League player who has been in an NBA rotation all season long. And I think that performance, which I, I think when you look at the G League and guys who go down there and kind of dominate, it usually suggests that they're ready for NBA time. This game confirmed that he is not long for the 905 this season. He might get these, you know, odd assignments once in a while when the schedule lines up for it, but he is not going anywhere. And frankly, You know, Nick Nurse said earlier on in the season that Delano Banton, you know, the big question should be, why isn't Banton playing more? Why is it not that Flynn that's playing more? Why is he, you know, not playing Banton all the minutes he possibly can? And frankly, now we're asking the question, Nick Nurse, more minutes for Delano Banton, please. He was excellent last night, 19 minutes played, or not not last night, I'm recording this on Sunday, but on Saturday, on uh, Against the Pistons, twelve points, four of six from the field. Hit hit is only three, three boards, two assists. Uh, he's just everything he does on the floor is a delight to watch. Even when he misses, it's fun to watch. He has like incredible hands attached to enormous arms, making him like a menace on defense, impossible to get around. And he pokes balls loose for steals all the time, often taking them into the house himself, uh, going the other way. He's just, like everything on the defensive end, he can slither through screens, he's not getting hung up on screens too badly, he can be around the rim as well if you're going to slide him down the lineup and have him play sort of like a 4-5 hybrid type thing, he can be a help side defender coming over, swatting shots, he's just, he's a wonderfully bizarre but like absolutely enrapturing player to watch. And he's kind of expanding his game a little bit, too. He's working on that bag. You know, we know that he's got that open court speed. We know what he can do in transition. And we know what he can do on the defensive end. And we know he's got this, like, floater game that's kind of burgeoning as well. The next thing for him is going to be kind of navigating the half-court offense in traffic. Obviously, this was, I think, the big bugaboo with him coming out of college. If you watched his college tape, it was a lot of him just kind of like driving into guys and then just being tall and passing over them, but not really getting around them. And I think we're seeing him kind of figure out ways to get to the cup, you know, so far as a rookie. You know, the speed that he's playing with, obviously, is number one. That first step looks way more explosive than it did when he was in college. But he's also got this, like, delightful behind-the-back dribble that might be as a bit of a crutch for him right now. He's using it quite a bit, but he just looks so comfortable when he's doing it, and he shakes defenders with it all the time. Why not lean on it and then expand as you go? And I just think... He's just such a smart player. He knows where to be. He knows where to cut. He knows, you know, when he doesn't have the ball, what he should be doing when he has the ball. He knows where his options are. I, I think it's very clear at this point that 13 minutes a game is not enough for Delano Benton. And he needs to be part of that sort of trusted group of bench players on this team. You know, he's played in basically all these games, like he's getting in there pretty much every night. But more, why not more? He's driving positive play when he's out there. He's just behind Fred Van Vliet when it comes to overall on-court net rating. They're at plus 2.8 when he's out there uh, per 100 possessions uh, among regulars. That is the number three mark behind Kem Birch and Fred Van Vliet. He just, good things happen when Delano Banton's on the floor. And you can build interesting second units with him, even with his lack of shooting, which, hey, he's 4 of 10 from 3 so far this season. It's a tiny sample, but it's something, and it's a, it's something to work towards, obviously. I don't think it's going to hold at 40% all season long, but it's not like his shot looks utterly broken or anything like that either. So maybe there's some optimism that he's another one of these Raptors shooting success stories along the lines of OG and... Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes, or not Scotty Barnes, uh, soon to be Scotty Barnes, but Norman Powell. Like he, they've done this before. They've turned guys into shooters. Maybe that's happening with Delano Banton as well. But even if it's not, Even if he's not a shooter right now, you can throw him out there in lineups where you have, you know, one or two starters, you know, get one of OG or Gary Trent or Fred in there with him. You get uh, Svima Hailuk in there as well. You get Chris Boucher, who, you know, got hurt. He had a back injury after falling pretty hard in the game against the Pistons, so we'll see if he's back. But, you know, Yuta Watanabe is on his way back soon. He was an excellent shooter last season you can surround Delano Banton and his downhill sort of acumen and his passing and his just sort of overall wonderfulness with shooting and smart players, you pair him with Kem Birch as a pick and roll big partner, I think you're looking at something pretty exciting with that second unit. Again, the Raptors have the luxury going forward here. Whenever they reach full health, and look, we're 14 games in, we've been talking about this mystical day where the Raptors reach full health all season long, maybe it never happens, but it seems like they're inching there, perhaps soon, maybe over this road trip, whenever they're at reasonably full health even, I think there's a pathway here for some really cool second units where Banton is kind of relying on other starters to help him out a little bit, but... Look, I I know I've been sort of wanting Malachi Flynn to play, and I think you could easily play Flynn and Banton together. You know, I even posited that maybe you remove Echua and Boucher from the rotation and have Banton be your nominal backup four. I don't think the Raptors are going to be so rigid with that. Nick Nurse really doesn't seem to care about positions or night-to-night dependability in terms of what his rotation is going to look like. So maybe that's a far-fetched dream of just kind of having that set second unit, but Malachi Flynn has done good things but I I just I don't think he's played better than Delano Banton I think that's very clear and if they have to orient things where Banton is primarily a point guard I think he's very clearly the deserving backup point guard right now and so I'm just calling for more man he's played 13 minutes a game so far the 19 he played against the Pistons was nice again I'd imagine if he didn't play 30 minutes the night before with the 905 that he might have played a little bit more uh, on on Saturday night maybe closed the game in place of Drogic. I'm not sure but I think more Banton is good, and the, he should be in line for a pretty serious uptick in his responsibility going forward. And it also kind of plays into the whole philosophy of this Raptors team to play him more. This is a speculative team. We don't really know what it's all going to look like in the end game, but he very much fits the mold. He's six foot nine. He can handle. He can defend. Why not see, you know, do the thing you've done with Scotty Barnes so far? You know, Nick Nurse has been constantly talking about needing to get Barnes the ball more, having Barnes shoot more often, giving him as many reps as possible, doing as many things as possible. Why not do the same thing with Delano Ben? Obviously doesn't have the same pedigree coming as and coming in as a Scotty Barnes, doesn't have the same star upside that Scotty Barnes does, but He's shown so much so far in just a short amount of time. Why not throw him to the Wolves and see what happens? And then maybe that leads to wins, maybe it doesn't. That's not the point of this season in any way. They're going to happen into wins as they go because they're talented and they're weird and they're kooky and they throw teams off their games with their defense. See what Banton can do. Give him 22 minutes a night. I'm all for that. And also, maybe it keeps Fred Van Vliet from playing 40 minutes a night and hurting his groin every two weeks. We'll see. Um, But either way, more Delano Banton is what I'm saying. He was super fun against uh, the Pistons and on Friday with the 905 and uh, well on his way to being like an all-time Raptors fan favorite as well. Uh, we're going to finish off with a guy who's maybe not a Raptors all-time fan favorite yet. It's going to happen. I I'm, keep saying it, it's going to happen, uh, even though that agenda has kind of fallen on hard times in recent weeks. But Goran Dragic is coming up as we talk about the dude of the game. That's coming up in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Direct TV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. And a great way to do that is with direct TV stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch all your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with direct TV stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. compatible device required content varies by package and a reminder this is only available to our dear friends in the United States of America the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every Monday Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on NBA every Monday to be up to date Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's finish off here the way that we have been doing for the last little while here. Whenever we talk about a Raptors game, it is the dude of the game. Everybody's favorite segment in the whole wide world and the first time winner of the dude of the game off of the game against the Detroit Pistons is, of course, as I Just fire up the graphic here. It's hard to produce solo. Uh, Either way, it is Goran Dragic is your dude of the game. Unexpected uh, surprise Cinderella dude of the game winner here. But I think he's very deserving after the game he put in, in place of Fred Van Vliet in the Raptors starting lineup. Look, you might quibble with the decision to start Dragic and not Malachi Flynn in this game. You know, to the point I was making in the last segment about this being a speculative developmental type season. You're not really speculating on anything with Goran Dragic other than where he's going to be playing other than Toronto by season's end. Malachi Flynn is, you know, you would assume part of the plans going forward here at the very least, or they want to see if he's going to be part of the plans. And throwing him into the starting five might have been the call. He got the call tons of times last year as the Raptors missed Fred Van Vliet for like 20-something games with COVID and injury and all of that. And he performed pretty admirably down the stretch of the season. Of course, the back part of last season, I continued to throw out and call it garbage time because it really was. It was like an extended final six minutes of a 40-point blowout, except every night for 48 minutes. And so I don't really know how much you can take from that. And apparently the Raptors are not taking a whole lot from it. Nick Nurse is not taking a whole lot from it because he does not, does not seem to trust Malachi Flint right now. He played four minutes in this game with no Fred Van Vliet, which is kind of damning. But I don't know how you could be upset because Goran Dragic played a really good game. He had 16 points in 28 minutes, five boards, three assists, two steals, six of 12 from the field, two of five from three. He made a couple really like huge offensive rebounds, a couple great kickouts, like... Uh, This is kind of the Goran Dragic I expected we were going to see from the start of the season, and we did not get to see it in those first four games. He sits for the next nine games before coming back in against the Pistons on Saturday in place of Fred, and honestly, like this is one of them good problems because the Raptors are currently overflowing with guys who are worthy of minutes, and it's going to be the case all season long, it seems. Again, one of them good problems, but it leads to conundrums like, well, Goran Dragic played really well when Fred's back. Where does he slot it in? Should he get more time? And honestly, I kind of think he earned it with that game. He kind of proved he stayed ready. He's a pro. I think as everybody kind of expected he would be, despite the sort of comments that were maybe misconstrued in the offseason about his desire to be in Toronto, seems like he's very much accepting his fate with this team right now. And he spent two weeks, three weeks nearly on the sidelines and came in and was awesome for the Raptors in this game. And And I think what he provided is such a valuable thing for this Raptors team, which is just rim pressure, a guy who can get into the teeth of the defense. He has a floater game. He can obviously shoot from three as well, either on pull-ups or on catch-and-shoots. He offers, you know, I don't I don't want to do like the comparison to Fred Van Vliet thing, but we know Fred Van Vliet offers lots of good, you know, again, sort of with the three-point shooting, both catch-and-shoot and pull-up, getting into the teeth of the defense, getting, you know, really great drive and kick and swing going. Goran Dragic did a lot of that in this game, and I think... Having an extra ball handler out there, you know, at times the Raptors get to a point where there's almost too many guys who can put the ball on the deck, and it becomes sort of a me turn, my, my turn, your turn, me turn? I don't know. Uh, my turn, your turn type thing, and it kind of, you end up seeing, you know, the team have like the league's lowest assist percentage and stuff like that. It very much becomes kind of dueling isos and dueling drives into defenders, dueling, you know, unassisted pick and roll buckets and things like that. You know, So that could be a problem, and having Dragic be part of that might be an issue, but I don't think he is someone who's going to detract from things if he is going to play more. He's someone who makes the right play. He's someone who can work off the ball or on the ball, whatever you need him to do. He can just be a catch-and-shoot option for you if you really want to with a little bit of juice. If there's a tough closeout and he wants to drive by, he can do that. He can inject some life into the team, and I think a lot of the best sequences we saw in this game, the Raptors in the third quarter against the Pistons in particular were really moving it well. A lot of that was tied to Goran Dragic and his ability to get things kickstarted in the half-court offense, which we know has been an absolute grind for the Raptors this season, and it's kind of what I expected, again, would be his role for the team this season, assuming he was going to play more, and honestly... I'm more than okay giving Drogic some run here. If Fred's going to miss, you know, continued time, I'm more than okay keeping Drogic in the starting five. And when Fred's back, I'm totally cool working Drogic into the second unit, even if it's at the expense of Flynn. I hope it's not at the expense of Banton, and I don't think it has to be necessarily. You can do a, you know, Drogic as your two guard with Sfiq. And, you know, insert power forward here, whether it's Utah or Chris Boucher, Kem Birch, and then have Delano be your backup point guard. I think that totally works. Obviously, you're not going to, you know, do the straight mix and and match thing, but, you know, they can play 10 guys, 9 guys, and have Dragic be one of those guys. I think that's a totally reasonable thing. It helps you, again, limit Fred Van Vliet's exposure. He doesn't have to play 40 minutes a game. They need any solution they can find right now to get him down to 33, 34 minutes a game because that's going to be ultimately what leads to success for this team is a healthy Fred Van Vliet, and Dragic can help in that. And there's also the whole, oh, maybe we should build up his trade value consideration as well we're still a month away from trade season really kicking off with December 15th being that crucial date where uh, you know lots of deals can be made because players who signed in the offseason are available to be traded. But uh, you know it can't be too early to kind of inflate that value. In a game like last night, if there's a team out there really yearning for a point guard, someone to kind of come in and just help their team sort of stabilize and get some shot creation, Maybe Dallas or, or you know all these other teams that have kind of been the usual the usual, subsec- su- su- usual sub usual substacks. What the hell? Usual subjects, <laughs> subjects, suspects. What's the what's the movie? The su- sus- suspects. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> either way, the usual suspects uh, who might be after Drogic can't hurt for those to see those teams to see Drogic play the way he did against the Pistons on Saturday and again it's just the Pistons and yes the Raptors lost and all of that but I think the process of this game was good and I think ultimately you play this game you know 50 times the Raptors probably win at 35 considering the insanely hard shot making that the Pistons worked into the mix here and the free throw uh you know ineptitude from the Raptors in this game frankly um you know I I think Dragic really helped with the process looking good the half-court offense for times again against the Pistons defense but at times, it looked as good as it has all season long. And that's obviously, you know, largely in part to uh, due to th- Pascal Siakam because he's very good. But also, I think Goran Dragic really helped grease the wheels along as well. So that's where I'll leave it for this one. I, I think, you know, th- there's not really, again... There's not really a wrong answer for this Raptors team. There's a million good players they can throw out there in all these different configurations, and that's kind of the joy of this team. But the way Drogic played on Saturday has me very okay if he's going to be a fixture going forward here. I know some people hate Goran Drogic and don't want to see him play, and, oh, he's not one of the young guys, doesn't matter for the future. But if you can get something for him, flip him for a reasonable asset... Because he plays like he did against the Pistons on Saturday for an extended run here, I think it is worth giving him a little bit of extra run. He is your due to the game. I don't know if we ever expected him to get a due to the game, but he very much was on Saturday for the Raptors. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we got a loaded week coming up. Uh, tomorrow we're going to recap the Blazers game I think Vivek Jacob is going to stop by on Wednesday still working on the schedule and how it's all going to work but I believe your own Weitzman who is the author of tanking from the top the book about the Sixers process who also wrote a fun piece about Nick Nurse's uh, (laughs) propensity for squatting for Fox Sports last week I've got him booked up uh, for Wednesday we're going to dig into uh, Nick Nurse squatting I also want to talk to him about team building frankly and you know the Sixers model versus what the Raptors are doing there's kind of some interesting uh, parallels there but also the Raptors kind of have lucked out here and got a high pick, so maybe tanking is the way. I'm not sure. We'll talk to your own about that later on. On Thursday, Kelsey O'Brien and Dwayne Notice are going to stop by to talk 905 as that season's got uh, you know ramped up here and uh, really looking forward to that. Too. Uh, they've got a new podcast called West Side Stories talking all about 905. Former guests of the show, both of them, of course Kelsey, the queen of Raptors 905 coverage. Dwayne Notice, former Raptors 905-er, former Canadian national teamer and uh, CEBL alum as well. So he's going to be on the show with Kelsey on Thursday. Friday, we will talk about the game against the Utah Jazz uh, down in Utah as the Raptors. Go back to the the place they played before uh, the pandemic hit. The last place they played in the before times, baby. Will brings back some good memories, I'm sure. Maybe there'll be another Rudy Gobert, OG Ananobi almost fight. Who's to say? Either way, that's all coming up this week. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Please subscribe to, rate, review, tell a friend, all of that good stuff uh, on all the favorite podcast platforms of your choice. Subscribe on YouTube, as always. And uh, thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day as well. Now go make your second listen of the day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, as Josh Lloyd is covering the fantasy basketball world better than literally anyone. He posts like 14 episodes a week sometimes. He's incredible, and he is winning you money in your fantasy basketball leagues, without a doubt, if you are tuning in every day. So go and check it out, and uh, support Josh, and support the rest of the Locked On Network as well. We'll be back again on Tuesday to talk about Raptors, Blazers. That's coming up tomorrow. And uh, until then, bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.